This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Never podcast. I'm your host and this week we are looking back on another home defeat at the hands of Villa. We are talking about the team experiment, what we need to do to get a settled side, if indeed that is necessary at this stage in the season. What is going on defensively? Do we need a left back? Do we need a, a settled centre-half pairing or are we being a little bit naive in our early Premier League days? Incoming signs, we've got to, a quick look at what we think is going to come to the door this week. And then we look at what is next in store for the Pirates. Let's go. So I am joined by the man himself, Rich Steele, regular panellist. Rich, welcome, welcome. Hello, Natalie. How are you this evening? I am very well, thank you. I'm very excited about this because we've got a little bit of a technical masterclass coming up, which I'm very excited about. Just you and me. We've binned off the rest of the team. We just decided yes. we were going to fly solo tonight. So let's get straight in there. Um, I guess, as we always do at the top of these shows, um, without, um, I guess, deciding one way or the other which way you land, what was your what was your gut instinct coming off the, the pitch on, on Sunday? Did you feel disappointed? Did you feel realistic? Did you feel frustrated? What, how did you summarise that performance? Listen, you're always going to be disappointed when you lose a football match, when you lose any game of sport, because you're competitive and you care so much about the club and you want them to win. And you're kind of going into that game knowing it's going to be tough, but easier than Man City. And you're kind of thinking, well, you know what? Villa are a good side, but in the last away game to Newcastle, albeit Newcastle are a very good side, you know, they did look vulnerable. Obviously, the, you know, when you see the team sheet, the goalkeeper was missing and you think, right, okay, we can put them under pressure. But I think we found out you know, just how good the Premier League is and it is ruthless. You know, you make mistakes, you you know, you get caught in the press, you miss a tackle, you know, you defend a little bit naively, which I know we're going to discuss on the show tonight, and you and you and you get punished. Um I know it's not an, an analysing Aston Villa. I thought John McGinn was outstanding mm. in midfield. I thought yeah. Watkins up front was a massive, massive threat. You know, someone who's definitely improved under Emery. And I think Diaby for Villa will be one of the signings of the season. Obviously, he's come from Bayer Leverkusen. I think Teller's got big boots to fill if he want, if he's coming in as a re- replacement for him. He's one of the best players I've seen live in a long, long time. You know, even going back to all our days in the Premier League, you know, 
people might disagree with me on this. I, I enjoy watching good football as well. And he actually left the turf and I thought, you know what, he was an absolute joy to watch in, in some ways. And yeah, there's positives. I thought we played some nice football. We, you know, we scored a really good goal. We put Aston Villa under, really under pressure, you know, for 20 minutes, you know, for 15, 20 minutes or so. And it was a real shame that that third goal come when it did. It just sapped the life and the energy out of the stadium. And Villa managed the game really well. So there's a lot to improve on. There's positives. But as I mentioned, there is a lot to improve on. And I think, you know, company needs to learn quickly. I think it's become a talking point that you're almost not allowed to criticise company now. And if you do, you know, you see it as kind of, you know, a negative of this bad supporter. And, you know, it's not criticism. It's just looking at the game and analysing it and, you know, mm. seeing where we can improve. And like I said, we've got another really tough home game on on Saturday and I feel we need to just tighten up and be a little bit more pragmatic with our approach. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and what we're going to be looking at today is not just necessarily, a, oh, this is really bad, we've won, and oh, we've, sorry, we've lost, and we need to be picking points up. The, the reality of our start to the Premier League once the looting game was postponed is that we've got four games that are horrible. We've got City, Spurs, um, City, Villa, Spurs and United. It, the, the, it's very likely that we'll be sat on no points after four games and, and not got a, a, anything off the mark yet. And that's the reality to what we're facing with, with what the fixture gods gave us now. On the flip side of that, we've got all of those really difficult games out very early on. Um, there's mixed reviews, sorry, mixed opinions in our fan base as to whether or not we should realistically be expecting to get some points from these kind of sides. But the reality is, is that we probably won't. And if we do get anything from those, then it's it's a bonus. We've got to catch them on a, a, a bad day. Um, I think we were we were looking at this before the game at the weekend, and we started looking at it in terms of levels so how far down their ranks do you need to get to a team before your best side your a side beats them and I think when you're playing City Burnley's a game will probably still lose against City's c game Villa before the game I was probably I probably would have said you know our a game probably should beat Villa's b game but as we're seeing some of those mid-table sides in the Premier League have suddenly got very 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 good and this is getting to be a very tough league um, let's have a look at those stats then, Rich. Um, obviously, we, we know now 3-1, three, three the second defeat of the season, second game in a row where we've conceded three goals. This time it took Villa just eight minutes to get off the mark um, with uh, Matty Cash scoring on the eighth and 20th minutes. Uh, Burnley brought one back through Lyle Foster, um, an outstanding goal, actually, debut Premier League goal for Lyle on 47 minutes before, as Rich has already said, just 15 minutes later, uh, Diabe puts them back and restores that two-goal advantage. Um, possession, actually, Rich, wasn't too bad. Burnley 56.9 to Villa's 43.1. So we actually had a greater share of the possession. Um Nearly half the amount of shots, Burnley's nine to Villa's 16. Uh, only two of ours on target, where six of Villa's were on target. Um, we had passing rate of passing success rate of 88.9. They were 83.7. Just one clear cut chance for us. I'm not going to go through all of the stats, but that's where we are. Um, as you've already mentioned, Rich, it was very much a welcome to reality. And uh, the Burnley defence, which is yet to get a settled personnel, I would suggest, um, is also experimenting with players playing out of position at left back, um, were exposed by a very ruthless, ruthless and very quick Aston Villa counter-attack. Um, you've been looking at this in quite some technical detail and you've got some concerns about some 
Ta technical, sorry, tactical naivety, do you think that's fair to say? Certainly with a very high press. Do you want to just kick us off and talk us through how you've analysed where we went wrong defensively? So obviously, as we can see, this is Aston Villa's first goal and this is, what, eight minutes into the game. And you see here, we've got two, only two of our back four yeah. in, you know, in our in our own half. What's happened here is, just before the clip, Amdouni's give the ball away. So Roberts was in this position. Now, Roberts has tried to cover, but because he was in midfield, you've got a massive gap yeah. at the right side here. And in this play here, Alder Keels tried to press Watkins, but Watkins laid the ball back to McGinn. Watkins has span off Alder Keel. And because Roberts is here as well, you basically got all this grass to run into. Yeah. Now, this is where I feel a little bit sorry for Trafford. People are digging Trafford out for this goal, but... Yeah, Trafford plays a part. He could have been a little bit more de decisive. But ultimately, the goal comes from Amdouni giving the ball away. Uh, Roberts is out of position, trying to get back. Watkins laid the ball off here in the previous clip. And Alder Keel's been spawning because Watkins is quick and strong. Alder Keel's not quite managed to get back to him. And then, as you can see here, Matty Cash. Maybe a little bit of kind of inexperience from Belcoir or getting used to the you know, the pace of the Premier League, he's just literally just burst past him. Yeah, so, he's got a lot of space there. You know, and this is eighth, the eighth minute of the game. You yeah. know, you've got two players in your own half and you've got your two defenders pressing this high. You just, if you don't win the ball back here and here, you're absolutely knackered. You're, you're done. You're not, you're not going to not concede goals playing this way. Your bat falls all over the show. Even if Alder Keel was here and, what, and you let Watkins lay this ball back, you're still defending this space. No, so this is Aston Villa's third, third goal. Gone. So yeah. as you can see here, obviously, sorry, we're trying to be a little bit more, we're trying to change it a little bit more second half. So O'Shea and Velquire, who kind of moved into south centre-half. And I thought he did better his centre-half. They've tried to go a little bit deeper. But again, you, you can see Roberts is so high. He's out of position because he's been playing this inverted fullback, and we've given the ball away. And Alder Keel once again has gone to press the player, has gone to yeah. press McGinn. And what McGinn's so good at, he did it against Everton. He's so good at turning under pressure. So he's turned Alder Keel. Alder Keel's tried to bring him down. He's not managed to do so. And what's happened once again, Natalie? You've got absolutely acres of grass yeah. to run into. And then you've got uh, 19 Diaby who scored. What's happened here is O'Shea, because Alder Keel is out of position, has had to cover the right side. Velquar's had to go to the middle. And what does that leave Diaby with? A complete free run at goal and he's got a free shot at the edge of the box. And this, I'm not going to dig Collie O'Shea out because he's a talented young player, but this is an issue with playing a young player. They don't, they don't do the defensive work. Now you look at Gunmanson, he's, your two wingers aren't level. So you've got Collie Osho high up the pitch. Oh, if Collie yeah. Osho's back even here, he can then track Diaby. And again, people are blaming Trafford. You know, maybe he could have done better, but there's so much more passages of play that's gone on that's contributed to that goal. And the main culprit, unfortunately, in both goals is Alder Keel diving in. And if you dive in and if you press this high up the pitch, you've got to win the ball back. Obviously, companies try to combat it. With his two, with his dropping his two other two centre halves deeper, but if your winger and maybe your midfielder here in Burge aren't in the same line, then you're asking for trouble. And this is yeah. where the teaming is, and this is where those teaming issues come from. Now this is our goal. Obviously, we're fighting, 
to get back into the game. And when you used to watch a Daesh Burnley team, we used to mourn about we didn't get bodies into the box. Now, this is obviously Foster when he's had the shot. So you look at it here, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six Burnley players in the box. Yeah. And you've got a seventh player on the edge of the box. So essentially, you've got seven players in goal scoring position. So you can see what this Burnley team's trying to do. They're trying to get on the front foot. They're trying to load the box up to give ourselves the most amount of goal scoring opportunities, which is what you want, which under Dice we was a little bit more pragmatic and we wouldn't have done. So, but the risk and reward, let's say this shot gets blocked and the ball gets out to cash here. You've got, you've only got three outfield three out players. And very quick, yeah. And they're quicker so and it, physically more this is, than we are. So this is, doing this analysis, you can see the risk and reward. The reward is that we're trying to get players up the further up the pitch. We're trying to get bodies into the box to score goals. But against your top teams, if you give the ball away, and you don't win it on that initial press. And if you dive in and you don't win the ball back, you just get exposed and teams with pace like Villa will just uh, really hurt you. So it's something that when we play Tottenham, you know, uh, Postacoglu will look at that. He'll have players like Madison Son, uh, obviously Basuma, he'll play in that John McGinn role, who, who's an excellent, uh, who, you know, he does similar to McGinn. He's really good at turning under pressure. So hopefully when we analyse the game next week, we just... Our midfield and our defence maybe aren't quite as high and we're not leaving ourselves vulnerable to those attacks. Yeah. In in terms of, of personnel then, I mean, obviously that, that that's that's quite a specific analysis looking at the goals themselves. One of the criticisms that's been levied, perhaps without the level of such specificity as you bring, um, is that this tinkering of the side isn't helping, that we're not playing players who featured so heavily in last season's championship campaign that... We have put all and way too many new players in all at once, and there is a lack of um, togetherness in the side. Do you think that's a fair criticism, or do you see? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair, but I think I almost I don't. Gen, I'll have to look back at games. I I, I can't remember games in the championship where we press that high. I no. almost feel like it's company trying to make a point that we're Burnley in the Premier League. But again, I, I'm maybe saying that willy-nilly and if people want to kind of look back at it, I'd have to look back at maybe some other games and, and have a look at the press and, and what we did. I genuinely think that maybe if you played like Gunmanson out wide instead of Collioge, would you trap that? Say if you played Brownhill in, instead of Burge. But Cullen on, on that goal, who's just sitting midfielder, was... You know, was high anyway. So yeah. I think the per, I think it's more the system and the tactics and wanting to do that high press and wanting to be aggressive that have um, you know have kind of contributed to our downfall. The really, to, uh, the really, and I think it's it's a really hard one. I think on you know if we change the personnel, it you know you don't know that hindsight's a wonderful thing. I watch. Um, I'm going to move sport a little bit. I I watch a lot of cricket, um, and if any cricket listeners. Um, are listening. Nasser Hussein to me is the best analysis of of sport in my opinion. He's not reactive. He's very analytical, and he always says you're always a better player when you're out of the team. Yeah, that's very so true. Everybody will be calling for Brownell to come back in the team for I don't know for Burge not to start or for you know for maybe Ekdal should come in who somebody who I would start or you know bring Taylor back in or whatever or if Matson was playing that wouldn't happen. And don't get me wrong, these are good players. But but you're always a better player when you're not in the team. Yeah, because so, yeah, you're the solution. You're the fixer. You're the you're solution. You're the people that are looking in, yeah, rather exactly. than the problem. 
And then it's a bit like when, say, like an Everton football club, there's so much going on at boardroom level, and so, and if they just sat the manager, well, you just you you you're just putting tape on a hole. You're not actually addressing yeah. the bigger the the bigger picture. And to me, the bigger picture is that I'm I'm not keen on that Roberts in that inverted role. I think no. in the chat, I think when you're in Man City and you don't give the ball away as much, and then if you do got the ball away, you've got absolute animals of defenders like Walker, Akanji, Diaz. Yeah. who were very, very good defending in one-on-one situations. And we're putting our defenders who are probably not as quick and as not as... I'm not... Alder Keel is quick, but he's, you know, compared to Watkins, he, he got bullied, didn't he? Like McGinn, he got bullied by him. He wasn't There was a, there was a physicality as well in, in terms of... Often, and I'm not necessarily... You know, by the way, doing this analysis, I'm not digging players out. I, I am not. It's just an observation of... Yeah. It's almost where where been, we are. Yeah, we You know, it's what we've been told to do. And... I just think, I think hopefully he looks at this and against the better teams, I think we just need to be a little bit more pragmatic, a little bit more, a little bit, you know, stay in the game a little bit longer because essentially we've been 2-0 down before half time and, you know, you're climbing Everest at that point against good teams. And like you said, it was such a shame Villa got that goal back and you can see what Alder Keel's trying to do. He's trying to press him again, keep the pressure on, win the ball back and get the turnover. But as soon as you get done on the on the counter, you know, that's it then. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Would I change personnel? Um, probably, yeah. I wouldn't change too much because I think if you're changing too much, then it's too much change, you know, and then it's, you're just changing everything. But And then you're still in the same position. Yeah, I think some of the criticism of Burge has been unfair so far, but he's still learning the system. But I'm not con- I don't think I'm contradicting myself by saying this. So I think he'll be a really good player for us. I would actually bring Brownell for Burge against yeah, for now. Uh, Tottenham. And, yeah, just a bit more leadership. Um, again, I'm going to get criticised for this. I, I heard Collie Ultra is a very exciting young player, but you you, you see for the, def- the, the defensive side of the game, he's, he's not quite ready. I'd bring Gunmanson in. Yeah. Collie Olsho. I'd I'd still like to start Benson because I think he's our still our best winger, even though it didn't work for him. Um if Ekdal's fit, I'd like to start Ekdal. Uh, because I, I just think he's more solid and I just like us to drop a little bit. Just just drop ten yards and not defend on the halfway line. You know what question I am going to ask you though, don't you? The controversial one. Keeper. Go on. Keeper. I, I think the criticism's been unfair on him. Uh, you okay. know, I do he is whether do I think, yeah. Do I think he's ready? It's a really hard one. 
some of the criticism, it's like people are writing off players. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I've got no time for it at all. I'm it's just like, like, are you, you know, insane? Jesus, people were writing Matson off last season. You know, Zaruri's first two games, he played, he started against Coventry and he wasn't very good. And then, you know, so it's it's kind of like Benson, it took him a while to settle, didn't it, last season? So I, I've tried to learn my lesson from that. I think we all do. I can kind of think, you know, you've got to try and give players time. Um so going back to your question, would I start Murich? It's a difficult one. Murich isn't this like, <laughs> like don't get me wrong, he's entertaining. But the, when the Premier League, after that, you know, is uh, we've no idea how he's going to be in the Premier League. Quick, you know, and look how long yeah. it took Murich to adapt last season, and Murich give goals away. So it's a very difficult one. But I think when you look at that and you break the game down, Trafford's been left horribly exposed by his defense, like really exposed, and you know. He's a young lad, he's learning his way. And sometimes you've got to company said it, you've got to suffer a little bit of pain, you know, to you know, to you know, short term pain, long long term gain. And I think that's company's goals. Now there's an argument of you've got to pick for now, you've not got to pick for the future because there's such thing as relegation in the Premier League and you don't want to get too far behind, especially with the start we've got. I think we've got Nottingham Forest in between that United game. We do, yeah, away, the league. Which, yeah. Which, uh, in the um, court, in the, sorry. No, that's a no. I'm pretty sure we play him in the league as well. Oh, do we? Have I? Oh, okay. Oh, sure. I, I hadn't realised that. I'm pretty sure we do. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure we do. So that could be an opportunity. So it is. It is a re It's a really difficult one. It's a really difficult one. Um, you know, with that personnel and listen, you've got a young lad there. Imagine what to do for his confidence if you just whip him out after two games. Yeah, it's really tough, isn't it? You know, listen, you've you've got to bat people. You know, that you've got to bat people. So I'm going to go back to cricket again. And I'm going to, again, sorry, because this is a football podcast and people might not have a clue what I'm talking about, but the England management and the England, <laughs> and the England cricket team, they picked a player in Zach Crawley, everybody else saying drop him, he's useless, but they picked him on potential and he, and he was the leading run scorer in the Ashes. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to, if you believe in people and you, and you believe they're going to be really successful for you in the longer term and they'll win more matches than they'll lose for you, You've got to keep picking them and you've got to stick with them. And for me, Trafford is somebody who I, I'll put my neck on the line. He will be England's number one goalkeeper in two or three years. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've a got lot of people to stick say with that. him. And he's got a higher ceiling than Murich. And it's frustrating. We all want to win. Maybe is he quite ready? Possibly not. But was Matson ready at the start of last season? Was Zaruri ready? Was Benson ready? No. And look at the rewards we, we did get back from them. Yeah. So. Okay, love it. Um, so, given that obviously Villa have proven to be the step up in terms of their own ability that was predicted before the season, um, I I admit I scoffed a little bit when I heard people talking about them pushing for top four. Well, George did, didn't yeah. he? George, George yeah. said top four, top and he four. said Newcastle won't get top ten, and he've lost two games. Um, Newcastle are in the bottom Villa, half now. Villa look to me Villa to look good, yeah. than, than yeah. Newcastle did last year, which is really great. So, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a fan worry to think of, so we should be we should be closer to Villa than we are because they're the teams we should, we've got a chance of beating. There has been a mid-table step up in the Premier League where yeah. the, um, the ones who finish in the top 10 are a hell of a lot stronger than they were in previous years. So we need to be focusing on being the best of the bottom 10. And I still see in both of the, the, the sides we've played so far, I've still seen pockets of real excellence which I think will really shine against the bottom teams um, and we've got to be realistic about the fact that there are 
some of our competitors that will be at the bottom of the league this season who have lost two, three games against winnable opposition and, and games that they should be trying to pick points up. So we're still in a stronger position than them at the moment. But where, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to to start being, um, you know, what's what I'm looking for, um, defeatist or too excitable. But surely, like, this is not a level to be concerned. There's a lot of fans being scared. Now, surely we just say, you know what, two tough tests, We'll see where we are after 10. Yeah, listen, we, like you said, I think it's just you want to win. So so people kind of, especially after a game, you react emotionally and then you calm down a little bit, don't you? And then you start looking at the game from, yeah. you know, from different angles. You know, I always said at the start of the year, 14th, 15th. I said my prediction was 14th, which is in that bottom six. Um, You know, some people, you know, they might, you know, and I'm not saying we won't, we're saying top half, which I thought was a bit optimistic. You yeah, know, you look think... at and. Even if you look at the Premier League table now, the bottom seven could well be the bottom seven as it as it yeah. as it is. You know, it, it's tough, it's hard, it's, it gets better every year. I seen you know Fulham assigning Lucas, uh, Lu, I think Luis Acampos. I think I've said his name right. You know, and yeah, Lucas Acampos and and Fulham are a team that you're kind of thinking you know you should be winning. Acampos is someone who's won the UEFA Cup twice, yeah. just played in the Super Cup, had eleven caps for Argentina. Everyone talking about how much Everton's in the mud, and they've just gone and signed someone for thirty million. Yeah, exactly. A striker. Yeah, you know, and this is kind of, you know, this is the, you know, this is the competition you're up against. You know, Forest have Forest have just signed the guy who scored the winning penalty for Argentina in the World Cup, Montiel, the the right back. Who it's it's tough. You know, players are leaving top sides in other top leagues. You know, they're leaving top sides in La Liga, the French league. Bundesliga to come and play for mid-table Premier League clubs and that's where the challenge is and you know and people as well have got a right to be you know a little bit concerned about where this money's coming from and obviously we're going to go over 100 million but that is the bare minimum especially because we lost loan loan players that you need to spend just to compete Aston Villa spent astronomical amounts of money in the first season and they had Grealish and they come 17th Forrest spent I think Forrest went a bit too far but they spent a lot of money and just had to stay up sometimes you've just got to stay up in that first season and then you can keep building Um, and I do believe that listen you can't just rely on taking points from the bottom clubs all the time because you might lose by a goal even there and you know, there's there's going to be a time where you need to pick up a win or two against maybe the you know the top eight, but I think we are suited. The way we play in the press and the aggressive style is more suited to play in the bottom teams. I'd be surprised if Luton and Sheffield United don't come nineteenth and twentieth. Mm, um, listen, football. Obviously, we've looked at Luton. They've had two tough away games, so I think them playing at Kenilworth Road will give us a better indication. I'm looking forward to watching them on Friday night. But for me, it's there's so many teams who could take that 18 spot, and there's listen, at least five, we'll this, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. And we'll do this podcast maybe in ten games time when we pop into the season. We could be like 30, 40. If you, you know what? We're gonna be okay. So it's yeah. just you, you know, it's just back in the prem. You're anxious. You want to get that first win on the board. But if we lost, if if we carried on playing the way we did first half, and we ended up losing that game three four nil or four nil five nil, I'd be more worried. But the way we played second half, and especially that fifteen that minutes, fifteen minutes was amazing. We mm. were fantastic, and the crowd got up in the atmosphere. And I think the way Foster played, I think we might move on to signings. I still think we're going to make signings through the door. So I'm confident that we will have enough to stay up. I with Pete, and again, 
I said this on one of our pre-season shows. I said, we'll take some batterings, but we'll get some really good wins the way we play. And yeah. I think I've analysed that tonight and, and and I still stick to that pred- prediction that, yeah, we'll get some tonkings, but we'll go off the turf as well. Really happy that we put in some really good performances. Yeah, no, completely agree. So as you alluded to a minute ago, Rich, we are expecting three, possibly four signings to come through the door this week. Uh, one of those is, of course, Ian Matson back on loan from Chelsea. Um, another one is uh, is it is Origi? Is that how you pronounce it, Origi? Origi. 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 Um, thank you. Uh, uh, as a, a striker, uh, so that's obviously going to solve our striking problems. And then the other player we have been linked with is uh, Trezor from Genk. Any of those excite you? Any of those not quite there? Is that sufficient? What are your thoughts on the incomings, please, Rich? You know, as we mentioned before, Natalie, I think the left-back's a glowing hole, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think if we only got another quality left-back um, in before the end of the window, I think we could can consider that a successful window. And listen, Matson's just perfect, isn't he? He knows the system. You know, we highlighted him before. He's somebody who got better and better and better. He's, he's obviously got um, a very high ceiling to where he can go. And he's a player I really enjoy watching, actually. I think he's terrific to watch. I just love his energy. He's just got so much energy and he, he can run for 90 minutes. He's got so much quality on the ball. Sees a great pass. He's got a goal in him. And I think he's and I think he definitely could make the, the, the step up. We if I don't think it's going to be an easy deal to do. Um, obviously, the Chelsea want to let him go permanently. Um, that's up to them. You know, obviously they let Lewis Hall go, who's a left back. To Newcastle, the talk of Cucurella possibly going to um, Man United. You know, maybe we could do a buyback deal like we did with Ramsey. Yeah. But for him to come on loan because he's in the last year of his contract, he has to sign a new deal at Chelsea. So that adds a further complication to it. So he got to sort out wages and everything. So I don't think it's going to be easy, but fingers crossed we get it done. But we desperately need a left back. We really do need a left back. Like we it's really, just really do. a massive blurring obvious hole to the team. It's just, You've seen in the first two games, it's disrupted the whole balance of the team. He tried Valcoir at left-back, who looked off the pace, if I'm being honest, uh, left-back. He looked better at centre-half, and then he moved to centre-half, yeah. and you put Alder Keel at full-back, and he struggled second-half, so he kind of did get disjointed. Mike Trezor, I've watched him a couple of times uh, since we got linked to him um, in the Champions League, and he's a really exciting player for me. Yes, of course. There is a big difference between the Belgium League and the um, you know, the Premier League. But you know, we signed Benson, Zaruri, Alder Keel, these players, you know, from the Belgium They've League. And not and none of them were even mentioned in the same no. button, you know. And I like you said, you read scout reports on Trezor and a lot of players are like, Well, if he goes to Burnley, like no dis and I don't take this personally, but like no disrespect to Burnley, he could be going to a higher level club. Yeah. And I always see that as a positive and to Yeah, him, definitely. It seemed like he's been company's target all along. He seemed like he wants to come. Uh, and obviously, it looks like we're going to do a loan to an obligation to buy, which helps us with the fee, helps us with FFP. It's a really good, clever way of doing it. Um, so I think he, I think we've signed a lot of these. Listen, we have signed wingers, and if you can understand the argument of do we need another winger and whatnot, but I think he's a higher calibre than what we've got so far. 
And I think he, he really will make a difference. He's someone who he's not somebody for the future, he's somebody for the here and now who can really step in. Origi's a funny one. You know, when you watch Origi for Liverpool, he was a bit part player, but he scored the you know, the second goal that sealed the Champions League for Liverpool. And he came up with some really big moments and really big, you know, goals for Liverpool. And Liverpool fans love him. Um, he's not quite done it at AC Milan, but you know, you're talking about signing a play from Liverpool and AC Milan. And when were you know, we if in someone these said this to us, yeah, if someone said to us two or three years ago we were signing somebody like him, you know, it would been like your main signing, and and I think that's a good thing because it's shown how far you how far we've come as a club that it's like okay, Arig is through the door, and listen, he's he's gonna have quality, he's gonna have class. It's just if Arig comes in, where where does he play? I don't, you know, do it. Obviously, Foster's been great as a number nine. He's been the real positive to the start of the season, yeah, so. Has. I think if Origi comes in, he'll have to earn his place. Or do you look at then maybe dropping Foster into a number 10 where he can link up play and play in Origi as a proper striker? So, listen, it's exciting. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about all these players. There are a couple where you think, you know, did we need to sign Redmond? Did we really need to? And I thought Brun Larson looks okay when he's coming. I like did, him, did yeah. Yeah, he's good, but is he going to play? That's the big difference. Is he going to play? Is Redmond going to play enough? But I suppose the loans and the free signings, and you, we've clearly seen from last year, company likes to stockpile in that position because he wants as many options as possible. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, to win football matches, you've got to score goals. So you need as much creativity as possible yeah, on the definitely. pitch and to, bring off, and to bring off the bench. Good. Excellent. So, um, final point then before we let our listeners go. Um, the Cup this week, we are having a break from the Premier League. We're playing Forest away in the League Cup. You know me, love a cup run. Um, is yeah, this, I love a cup run. I do too. Is this a nice enough distraction in these early starts of the season? Just give us a, take a little bit of the pressure off and just feel a bit better. Yeah, and it, yeah and it's another good gauge to see where we're at. I know we won't. Um, maybe because he wants to see other players but you're looking at all this bedding in period I'd like him to play his strongest team against Forest tomorrow not just for the reason to get through we need this we need this team gelling quickly and what a better opportunity to you know get your first 11 on the pitch and you know and it could be, if there's another game a few mistakes it can be um, you know it can be right okay we need to iron that out I don't think that'll happen and uh, obviously I understand the argument of burnout and you know, and different things like that. But Jesus, we've only played two games in, in two weeks. I can't see the players being burnt out. And then we play Tottenham and then we've got international break after that. I think I'm right. We've got international break. Yeah, after I Tottenham. think, so yeah, I think like, that's right. Yeah. You know, so the players are going to burn out if you play your strongest side. Um, you know, maybe with a couple of different players coming in who you think can affect it. Um, so, yeah. And like I said, you know, we want to cut one, don't we? You know, let's, you, know, you want to get, you want to get into a habit of winning football matches. You know, we, the more you win, the better you get. Let's say, you know, we go again and, um, you know, we get hammered 3-0 against Forest. It's just going to be more doom and gloom in it, really, which is, you know, which is not what we want. No, so. definitely not. Well, let's see where we're at then. We'll we'll have a look at the weekend and see how we fared in that cup game and how our game against Spurs goes. That is all we're going to cover this week's podcast. Um, listeners, if you are watching on YouTube, um, it would be really great if you... Sorry, Mr. B's decided to get crushed. Get out of Distracted it. Distracted by Mr. B and uh, the cats. This is cats just the most ridiculously in. unprofessional. You're on video. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start that again.
Okay, that is all we're going to cover then this week's episode. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, it would be great if you could subscribe and turn your notifications on. It does help the channel grow. And for those of you who are listening on audio, do please hit that subscribe button through your usual podcast provider. We will be back, um, I think, on Friday with the previous show. Dave and I will be looking ahead to that game against Spurs. And we will be uh, back next week with analysis for both the Forest game in the Cup and the League game. Um, this has been the Known and Ever podcast. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.